welcome to another episode of Touring the AFC South. I am your host, Mike Patton. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about the AFC South champion, Jacksonville Jaguars, with Locked on Jaguars host, Tony Wiggins. Uh, man, we got a lot to get into. It's going to yes, be sir. fun times talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars. But like every episode, the get off your chest segment leads off. Uh-oh. It can be about any sport. It can be about football, basketball, anything like that. So I got to get something off my chest. And, of course, it's about game seven, Boston Celtics, Miami Heat. I watched the game. You know, the Boston Celtics, they were down 3-0. They were just beside themselves with how they were playing. Then they decided to go to the rim and hit threes and got back in the series only to let <laughs> let the fans down of the Boston Celtics and lose game seven in the fashion which with which they did. You know, shout out to uh, Justin Patton, who's the, uh, uh, the Celtics fan that I know. And he was uh, he was not necessarily the happiest of campers. And he had, he even had a funeral for them on TikTok. Ooh. Yeah, I know it's bad. <laughs> but I want to talk about something because I, I a couple weeks ago, I talked about how just uh, how Jalen Brown and how Jason Tatum were up for Supermax contracts because they made all NBA. And I said, I personally wouldn't pay both of them Supermax contracts because you're having 600 plus million times the two players. How can you build a roster with that? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had people coming at me saying, oh, well, you, you pay both of them. You see how good they are. You pay both of them. and You just build the roster around them and you try to do this. You try to do that. And you, you just piece it together. And, you know, you're going to have people that take less money. Okay, first off, they're not LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. I don't think anybody's taking less money to go to Boston. That's just me. But in watching Game 7, I think it kind of showed why you shouldn't pay both of them max money. Now, I understand Jason Tatum was hurt. I get that one, so I get that there. But if he's hurt, shouldn't your number two step up to be your number one? Your number two actually ended up – eight turnovers they forced him to go left every time and he couldn't really hit shots the thing is with with uh jason tatum he can be an all-around player when he needs to be he can pass he can rebound defend all those different things but when you look at uh jalen jalen uh brown honestly you know he can't do all those different things he's more of a scorer take a couple dribbles get to the basket take a couple dribbles shoot a jump shot guy He's not a guy that can do all those different things to make your team win, which if you pay both of these two guys, the Supermax, he's going to have to be that guy. He just showed you he's not that guy. So in my opinion, uh, you're probably going to have to end up trading Jalen Brown just to add more pieces to the team and a different dynamic to make it easier for your superstar, which is Jason Tatum, in my opinion. Now, folks can get mad at me and say whatever they want, but look, I like Jalen Brown. I'm not saying he's a terrible player. He's not. But in terms of what they need, and if they're going to pay off them Supermax, he's going to have to be able to do multiple things. And he just showed you he can't do multiple things. I had to get that off my chest, Tony, man. That, that was that was bothering me, man. It's beautiful because I feel the same way. and I But I felt that same way. I've been arguing with people for two months that Jalen Brown, I, have, I actually have people that think that Jalen Brown is just as good as Jason Tatum. And you know, that's what I think that is, is the whole fall in love with a backup quarterback type thing. And, you know, you, you think he's good until he has to do what that other guy has to do. Right. 
So for me, people were critical of Jason Tatum when he had 38 points, 10 rebounds, and eight assists. They were still like, well, he didn't take over. I'm thinking like, what? You know, so for me, I think Jalen Brown's a solid player. I think because their offense is so um, – uh, general, you know, it's so much about ISOs and they outscore people and they got so many different people that can score. I think Jalen Brown fans have been blinded about what his weaknesses are. And you never know what a dude's weaknesses are until he goes up against a person that can expose him. If Jalen Brown's a supermax, he should have been able to guard Jimmy Butler one-on-one. If Jalen Brown's a supermax, then that Caleb Martin dude shouldn't have been able to get off, but he did. The thing about basketball is different from the sport that we cover is this. When Josh Allen or Joe Burrow throw a touchdown, they go sit down, right? In basketball, that doesn't happen. You hit a three-pointer, you come back, you got to guard the other dude. And we have seen guys take over. The way Jimmy Butler's taking over right now, for his team, he's not the first one his size to do that. Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard did it in Toronto. And Kawhi Leonard can still do it when he's healthy, which ain't very often, but he can still do that kind of stuff. So right. uh, the thing is, is giving him a supermax is like buying a house. There's a lot of houses that's, that have the same value Jalen Brown has, and guess what they're doing? They're getting supermaxes. So from that perspective, relatively speaking, he's going to get his money. But I would move him to a team that doesn't have anyone like him. I just think that they need to change the dynamic of their team. And that's Jalen Brown. I think the guys that you keep, you keep you keep Robert Williams. You keep Jason Tatum. Um, you keep White. Because he, he, can, he can do a bunch of things, right? I think if you take Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, and get involved in some three- and four-way trades, they are teams that will value both of those guys, right? They are teams that will say, man, we need some Marcus Smart. And then there are teams that will go, man, we really, really do need a young guy like Jalen Brown. Somehow figure it out to get two or three pieces, including draft choices. Change the complexion of your team and just go ahead and go play. Um, I'll give you a couple of names right now. We talked about okay. Caleb Martin. What about that Hachimura kid that's about to be a free agent? Those dudes do a lot of things that help help basketball teams. I'd rather have Hachimura and another player who can rotate in my top eight than have Jalen Brown with uh, Jason Tatum. I think Jalen Brown goes out and he plays in a certain way that tries to make – he's trying to show you how nice his game is. When you're in the playoffs in these series and you have to go night by night by night by night playing the same team, they're going to make you do things you don't like to do. So I'm with you, bro. I say uh, I say you got to move on from them. I, they give them a super max. They're going to be in the playoffs every year for the next six years, and they ain't going to go nowhere. Yeah, that's true. That's what I believe, too. After you give you pay them a super max to go along with Jason Tatum. Yeah, you're you're going nowhere fast. And six hundred plus million to make the playoffs every year, but never win a championship. No, too much at all. Yeah. All right. Well, that was the get off your chest segment for this episode. We're gonna take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about the real sport that we came on here to talk about. That is the NFL, and more importantly, the AFC South champion, Jacksonville Jaguars, on tour right. in the AFC South. <laughs> 
with your host, Mike Patton. We'll be right back. A shift. A shift is something that happens and changes the dynamics. And that's what happened when Garrett Logistics was born. After 10 years as a sales pro in the logistics world of sporting goods, John Garrett decided to pivot to the world of freight and start a brokerage. So you're saying to yourself, why trust Garrett Logistics? Well, Garrett Logistics helps shippers improve overall workflow, along with increased on-time pickup and delivery percentages. Last-minute loads, multi-drop pickups, and more are part of the services with Garrett Logistics. They're available Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m., and Saturday, 8 a.m. to 12 p.m., all times Central Standard Time. So give them a ring at 615-400-8484. That's 615-400-8484. Or you can email them at john at garrettlogistics.co or visit their website at garrettlogistics.co. Garrett Logistics, where the motto is, it's not just freight to us, it's your business. All right, and we are back. And, of course, we're going to talk Jacksonville Jaguars, the AFC South champions. Now, I'm sure some folks are still trying to get used to that ring, that they're the AFC, the defending AFC South champions. But, yes, they are. They went out. They earned it. Tennessee Titans couldn't hang on. They had the division, and then they just went on a big, long losing streak that, you know, of course, Titans fans are probably trying to forget. But we're here to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars, not the Tennessee Titans. Um, So I've got to ask, how is the feeling different going into this season for the Jacksonville Jaguars, given how they ended the season, how they surged towards the finish line? For the first time in a long time, they walk and talk like they think they're good. And um, that that's a, a testament to the culture that has been created by Doug Peterson and, of course, the presence of Trevor Lawrence. So um, in 2017, when they went to the AFC Championship game, that team was full of fight and full of bravado and, and had a bunch of alpha males on it. So it kind of blew up a little bit the next year when things didn't go well after like week three or four. Well, you know, when you got when you got big dogs, they start biting each other. Right. Well, um, if you don't have the right leader and Doug Marone was the coach, then it it can kind of, you need someone who's very, very measured. Doug was a cursor. Doug was like a cab driver in the Bronx. You know what I'm saying? And he, in my opinion, he made it worse. So um, Doug Peterson, it's a breath of fresh air. Training camp this year is more of him not starting at, 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 at the basement. And when I say he wasn't on the first floor when he got here, they were in the basement because their psyche was so messed up because of how Urban Meyer had coached them and spoke to them the year before. And then they lost all of those games. Fans had bags on their head and clown suits and all of this stuff. Well, now that you win and you win a playoff game and you win down the stretch in the manner that they did, Mike, they – they really, really, really look like a team that they don't have to brag. They don't have to boast. They don't have to talk. They come in. They all love each other. They do They do the work, but they, they feel like they have unfinished business. And when you watch them in OTAs, that resonates and you can see it. So in quick fashion, the, the difference is he's now coming in this year. They're on, they're on the third floor. So now he can really add more stuff. It's almost like when I played basketball, they said you need to come into practice in shape. So when the coach teaches you the, the, the plays, he's not worried about you not being in condition. Because if he has to teach you while he's conditioning you, 
then you're not going to catch it because you're tired. So the thing is, is they look like a bunch of guys that came in in shape. So now we're just adding to all of the stuff that we already knew about our own team. And I think that's what good teams do and teams that are led by good coaches do. Gotcha. Speaking of adding to what they had this year, one particular gentleman is going to be adding to that wide receiver room. That's Mr. Calvin Ridley. And he definitely came in with a little bit of swagger talking about he's going to make this happen, make that happen, get this many yards, get this many catches. Now, uh, have you been able to kind of catch any glimpses of him? Or what What have you saw from him so far that's kind of like, okay, this guy's for real. This guy can take us to another level in terms of our wide receiver core. So, saw him up close today. I actually spoke to him for about 20 seconds uh, after practice. And um, if if you just look at stats and go, well, Christian Kirk had 90 catches for 11, 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns. And I like Christian Kirk a lot. There's a reason guys are first-round picks and other guys are not. Calvin Ridley looks like a guy who's first-round pick for a reason. Quick feet, in and out of breaks, smooth as can be. Uh, is the fastest, I believe, the fastest receiver on the roster. At least he's the fastest of the guys that we know are going to play a lot. They got a couple of young guys that can really, really run, but he just looks different, and he fits into the culture. Uh, they, Doug, Doug Peterson mentioned today that they, they haven't pushed him a lot because he hasn't played in a year, but once training camp comes on, the uh, the training wheels go off, and they allow him to go ahead and start, you know, boring out his body a little bit and and and, and doing a lot of things, but Totally fits in with what they want to do here. And um, if you think back to the Eagles, the Nelson Aguilar role, where he was catching everything, eating up the total route tree, getting the ball in his hands, making him run a lot and making him get out. It's almost like they're going to probably end up using him, if you think of the Chiefs. And we do that with Doug because he played and coached under Andy Reid. This is the – he's going to be in the role of Cheetah. That's what he is. He's going to go down the field. He's going to catch it. I think that's going to be Trevor's first look when they need a big play to happen. And uh, nobody going to make no bones about it because when Julio was ailing in Atlanta, Calvin Ridley, and I agree with Devontae Adams last week, Devontae said, go watch him. The kid is a top five receiver. I agree with him. I think he could be uh, easily a top 10 dude because since since back then, there's some horses out there now like Jamar Chase, <laughs> Jetta. Those guys are really, really getting it. But the thing is, is, um, I, I think he's in it for the long haul. I think he's going to have a good year, and I think the Jags going to have to re-sign him. Yeah, they definitely are going to have to make some things happen. Of course, the Atlanta Falcons are probably hoping so, too, so they can get a better draft pick. But <laughs> I digress to the, the next thing I wanted to talk to you about. And yeah. That's kind of um, going into the you know the summer, of course, another thing that people were looking at is the ascension of Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence kind of had uh, – he kind of – he did a few things. He kind of had a little bumps and bruises along the way. But, you know, when they needed him, it kind of in times he came through, other times he did not. You know, that panned out for 25 touchdowns and eight interceptions. Now listen to uh, what you just well. said. You said, ah, oh, he was all right, he was all right, you know. <laughs> so then you look, at, you look at what he did. He completed like 68% of his passes, had 25 touchdowns and eight picks. That's more than all right. He did a real, real good job. What he did was he had a couple of games where he was like, what is he doing? The playoff right. game against the Chargers. That's, that's what I – Yeah, that's but what you I know, I think, I, think, I think for him what, what it is with Trevor, sometimes he comes out early and that arm is alive. I mean, really, really alive. Now, 
what helps a quarterback like that is to have a dude that's like Ridley, that no matter how alive it is, I'm going to go get it, right? You think about Joe Burrow. I think his arm is alive too, but he got Chase and he got T. Higgins. They ain't, ain't no overthrowing. They're going to do whatever. I think when you get guys that can play above the X's and O's, it takes away some of those mistakes. But he does have a tendency early in the game to to have to calm down a little bit. But it's never, I believe, because of lack of physical ability. It's not because uh, of anything upstairs. I think he wants to do well so bad that he just lets it rip and he lets it fly. He just probably needs to calm down a little bit. Yeah, just a little bit. I will say that, uh, you know, I wasn't trying to slight him. I'm but, just you messing know, I'm with just you, man. We're uh, sensitive yeah. about stuff, you know. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you definitely. And and to me, the one thing I did notice, and I noticed that too, what you were talking about just now, um, I noticed that in one game, in the preseason game, he kind of tried to throw a guy uh, open or throw it. I'm, I'm like, he's trying to he's trying to drop it in a bucket, but then throw it full speed at the same time. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay. Kind of, you know, you might want to calm down. That's probably not there, right. but you know, it'll be it'll be just interesting to see how the nerves kind of calm down when he comes out this year, or if he's still that revved up, energetic guy, you know, in the huddle. Which I can understand that because hey, you're playing a game you love, you're excited about the game. But you know, I wonder how he kind of tempers that down. How Doug kind of approaches that with him. I wonder. I, I think that's a very uh, good point, and uh, really, what I think is going to happen is. I think he he was viewed as the generational talent, the savior of the franchise. You know, when Irvin was here, he was actually, I call him the press secretary because every time something went wrong, they just, it's almost like they take him and they put him in front of everybody and hit him in the back and he just talks and everybody gets all happy and it calms the restless <laughs> natives down. But really the dude should just should have been able to be a quarterback who hangs around his teammates. Right, right that play video games and go eat wherever they eat waffle house whatever barbecue and just have fun and be one of the guys and so what happened is i think he really took it on his upon himself to put everything on his back right mm-hmm. and then you screw up and throw four picks and you look up and it's 27 nothing and you feel like it's all your fault at some point you got to trust those people around you yeah. just do your job trust your teammates so I think he learned to trust him because in the biggest moment, he was the one who was the problem, right? Mm-hmm. So he had right. to come out and trust his teammates. And now, now that he realizes what they can do, and then on top of that, adding Calvin Ridley and Tank Bigsby and other and other little pieces, now he realizes even though he's the leader, there's a fine line between a leader and having to do everything on your own. That's a true. Right. A true leader can just go and turn around and you're going to have uh, 52 guys coming with you. And that's what that's what it is. It doesn't mean you have to spoon feed everybody. Doesn't mean you have to, you know, burp everybody. You know what I'm saying? No, nah, mm-hmm. you, you can you can feed yourself. But, you know, we're going to lead and we're going to do this together. But I'm just going to be the front dog. So I, I just think that one of the things that's going to calm him down is having he doesn't have to be a hero. All he has to do is just play ball and he has the he has the people on the team that can go with him gotcha gotcha well we're going to get into uh you know the people that are going to be with him as you say we're going to get into those people as well i'm going to talk about the competition at camp we're going to talk about that but we're going to take a quick commercial break we'll be right back touring the asc south you ever missed your mom's home-cooked meals well 
You're not always able to get to those, but you are able to get to HT's Home Cooking. Established in 2005, Patty Palin and her staff go out six days a week to create some of the best home style meals you can taste and at a fair price. So if you're in Nashville and you like chicken and dressings, green beans, macaroni and cheese, and other things, stop by HT's Home Cooking. The address is 2264 Murfreesboro Pike. Nashville, Tennessee, 37217. And they are open Monday through Thursday and Sunday, 11 to 6, 30. And Friday, 11 to 7. And if you want to order online, of course, the option is available as well at hthomecooking.com. Or you can call 615-367-0049. H&T's Home Cooking. Food for yourself. You got me hungry, man. <laughs> hey, every every Sunday I go there after church, man. That's uh HT's uh home cooking, man. It's it's it, it's great. It's it sound, great. It, it sounds like it's great. Oh, it is. It is, yeah. man. Get look, look, I get the uh the chicken and dressing, the uh let's see, what I get? Um just macaroni and cheese, sweet potatoes, got the caramel cake. Yeah. Of course, of course. And then we to the house. <laughs> yeah. And then you sleep, right? Yeah, you know, man, you know that ice go hit you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, definitely getting back to the the Jacksonville Jaguars, and we got to talk about the competition. Now, you mentioned one of the guys in the competition uh, in terms of the running back room, which the running back room was a little crowded. Uh-huh. You've got Travis Etienne, you've got Dearness Johnson, that they brought in from the Cleveland Browns. You've got Tank Bigsby, who they brought in through the draft, and you've got Jamichael Hasty. Now, with all those different pieces. I mean, they drafted Tank Bigsby with all the different pieces they did have, and, mm-hmm. and then with Dearness Johnson. So, how does that room kind of work itself out to who does what in in, in this offense? Because I know Doug Peterson's probably got a plan for each one of these guys. In well, Travis Etienne is the guy. Okay, I saw that a lot. I saw that. In fact, somebody put out uh, the most explosive runners in the NFL, and he was number three. And hmm. they had him. They had him at number three. Um, He's explosive, man. And you got to think, last year he had over like 1,100 yards. That was really his rookie year. He got hurt in preseason the year before. So last year was basically when he played his first game in week one, that was the first time he'd ever played in an NFL game, even though he got drafted the year before with Trevor Lawrence. So he he's the guy. And then everyone else is a supplementary piece. But when you think about Doug Peterson, when they won the Super Bowl against the Patriots, they had three running backs. They had multiple carries in the first quarter. I think this is what he wants to do. He wants to switch it up. He wants to have guys that are good, but that can give different looks to keep the to keep the off keep the defense, you know, off balanced a little bit with with what exactly those guys' skill sets are. But make no mistake about it, tra- Travis Etienne is number one. Tank Bigsby is a a physical running back. I think eventually he's their second guy, but I, I saw Jermichael Hasey today getting a lot of attention. So they like him. But at the end of the day, I think down the line, what you're going to see is one ETN, two Tank Bigsby. It won't be a Zeke Pollard situation because Zeke was so much older, but it will be. But it also won't be a Derrick Henry situation where he gets all the carries. I, I do <laughs> think you're talking 15 to 18 touches for ETN and then, uh, at some point, 
six to nine or six to ten touches for Tank Bigsby. And then, you know, coaches like to stay with hot guys. So if one guy's hot, he'll go with the other guy. But Travis Etienne is. Gotcha. Gotcha. So Travis Etienne is the guy. I totally understand that one uh, as well. Uh, yeah, definitely there. Um, let's see. Hold on one second. I think you muted yourself there. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? All right, cool. There we go. There we go. But uh, yeah, one other competition I did want to talk about that we didn't mention. That would be Mr. Uh, it would be the offensive tackle position. I'm sorry. And of course, you know, you drafted your first round draft pick, Anton Harrison from University of Oklahoma. Then you bring in, of course, I'm sorry, you bring him in. You have Walker Little you had last year. And then you have Cam Robinson, who's going to be suspended to start the season. So I know starting the season, you're more likely going to have Walker Little on one side and Anton Harrison on the other. But when Cam Robinson comes back, I mean, it's going to it may be a competition perhaps there at that position. I mean, do you think it'll be a competition or do you think Cam Robinson will be making a pretty penny on the sideline being a cheerleader? Cam Robinson, um, the second he's eligible to play, and then they're going to – the Jaguars are standing beside him. They're trying to help him appeal. So if he still gets suspended uh, the day that he comes off suspension, they're going to plan him at left tackle. Probably move Walker a little over, slide him over to left guard, or make him a swing tackle again if Ben Barch is healthy. Anton Harrison will start at right tackle, in my opinion. I, I just don't think that this team was equipped to draft a guy in the first round. And then they raved about him. They had a little bit of concern that he was going to get picked. You know, So he was their dude. They moved back twice. Um, at that point, we're super, super comfortable with him. They said they're going to start him out on, on, on the right side. They've talked about Walker Little as being a guy who could probably uh, move inside the guard. Uh, it, it's perplexing because this is like the, I mentioned the backup quarterback thing. Fans love Walker Little because they just think that he, you know, when they didn't re-sign uh, Juwan Taylor and they allowed him to go to Kansas City, which I thought was a, a mistake. But they, KCK gave him 80 million bucks to go play right tackle. So when they did that, there were people saying, I understand it. They're just going to plug Walker Little right in. This was before they knew Cam Robinson was going to get the suspension. They still picked Anton Harrison. So they didn't play Walker Little last year when Ben Barsh, the starting left guard, got hurt. They didn't put him at guard. They left They left him as a swing tackle, and they put a kid named Tyler Shatley in who's as average as the day is long. So the fans seem to think that because Walker Little has this thought of versatility that that automatically makes him great and my point is is if he was as great as y'all thought he was when ben barch got hurt they would have put him at left guard because mike you've heard several coaches over the years say we need to find our way to get our five best our five best offensive linemen and then we'll we'll figure out the position but we want our five guys so they had their five best he wasn't one of them then a guy got hurt he still wasn't one and only then when another guy got hurt that's when they put him in so a dude like that is not someone that I would necessarily think is going to take a guy's position who is averaging, who's getting $22 million a year next year. And that's what Cam is getting. And, 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 if, and if Walker was what they thought, they wouldn't have taken Anton Harrison in the first round. So the fans get mad at me. I don't think Walker Little is not a good player, but it's almost like he's trending towards that Lyle Collins area. 
Gotcha. Dallas had him, and it was like, what are we going to do with him? He can move on. And eventually, it was like, well, we, you know, we can't keep him. So he left. But now you realize he ain't the answer in Cincinnati either. So, you <laughs> right. know, the thing is, is good offensive linemen don't have to have all of this mystery around them when they're going to play. If, if they're what you think they are, they find a way to get them on the field. So I suspect it'll be Cam Robinson at left tackle, walk a little scoot down the left guard. And maybe if Cam has a, just a so-so season after this year, maybe they'll kick Walker back out to left tackle and say, okay, let's see what you got, because that'll be a contract year for him. So, but no, I, I think Cam Robinson is going to be the starter left tackle. And by the way, he's never played any other position. He told me he'd never taken a snap at another spot. Oh, well, there you have it. There you have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely wanted to check in on the Jacksonville Jaguars, but of course, uh, ending the show, we always have a game. Yeah. It's five questions, two answers, one choice. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Over or under, Trevor Lawrence, 30 touchdown passes this season. Oh, all right. Tank Bigsby, over or under, 200 carries this season. That's 11 to 12 carries per game. Under. Okay. Tight end Evan Ingram. He had only four touchdowns last season. More or less this season? Less. Okay. Wide receiver Jamal Agnew. I know he's the kind of the forgotten man. A lot of a lot of people don't think about him right now. They think about him more as a return guy. But he had 23 catches last year and only and three touchdowns in those 23 catches. Mm-hmm. Uh, more or less touchdowns and receptions this year. Less on both. But effective. Okay. But effective. Okay. All right. Now, uh, Jags or the field when it comes to the AFC South this year? You can take all of them. And it's going to, I'm going with the Jags. You can. You can take everybody. I ain't scared of nobody because one, um, you got two rookie quarterbacks in Texas, in Houston, and in Indy, and you still got Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee. So I, I, I I'm not knocking y'all, you know, but I'm just saying, come on, man. They, they drafted Will Levis for a reason. So if Levis ends up on the field, that's three rookie quarterbacks. Ain't taking no rookie quarterback over Trevor Lawrence in his third year. I'm not doing that. Well, there we have it. Five questions, two answers, one choice. It is all wrapped up, and that show, this show is wrapped up. I want to thank you, uh, Tony Wiggins, for coming on. If you would, tell everyone where they can find you on social media and where they can find Locked on Jaguars as well. Locked on Jaguars is on every platform where you get audio podcasts. Just make sure you tap in and don't miss an episode every day because it's your team every day. And you can subscribe to our YouTube page for free. It's the Locked on Jaguars YouTube page. Episodes every day, 30 minutes or less. But it's like info central, and we give you the information that you want to hear. Have our own little way of doing things, so I hope you appreciate it. By the way, I'm gonna shout you out too, man, because you do a really, really good job with this, and um, you get a lot of you get a lot of people that that really like your show. So that's why, of all the shows, anytime you call me, if I'm available, you got me, no problem. <laughs> well, man, I greatly appreciate it. Uh, you know, of course, you gotta tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter too, man. Shop talking with. Shop Talking Wig. That's what it is. Shop Talking Wig. That comes from the fact that I've been a barber for 30 years. So, uh, But when I'm cutting hair, I do more than just cut hair. I do the same thing you just saw me doing. So uh, that's why I, I've taken that name because that's just who I am. It's what I've always done, man. Well, I got a bonus question for you. Uh, okay. Would it be shaping up a fro or giving up uh, a fade, man? Which one you enjoy doing more? Depends on the texture of the hair. Okay. So we, so you know, there's a joke, a couple of jokes behind that because, uh, contrary <laughs> to what people think, all black people don't have the same kind of hair, right? So, right. Um, 
sometimes I want to do a fade, and sometimes I, this time I actually want to just run the clipper through and cut it all off, really, and let people start <laughs> and let people start over. But um, it depends on the texture of the hair. It also depends on what I ate that day and how I feel. But uh, I like them all. My favorite haircut, my favorite haircut is a shadow fade. So okay, that's where it's a fade, but it's not bald on the side, but. Uh, it's whatever, man. It, it, and normally, I cut hair best when I don't feel like it. So okay, yeah. <laughs> so catch you angry, basically. Catch me angry, catch me tired, <laughs> and, and and you'll probably get the best haircut you ever gonna get because I know I gotta pay attention. Because if I don't, I'll screw it up. So and, and really, <laughs> the best haircuts, some of the best haircuts you ever do are ones where you make a mistake and you have to get out of it. So um, that's a that's a fun thing. We'll talk about that one day, man. I'll tell you some stories about, about how I learned how to really, really cut hair. And most of it will be uh, based on the fact that I made a mistake. Okay. Well, there you go. Well, I, I did have a question for you. I was going to ask you about Doc Rivers and what you think about his hair. Go ahead. Let it rip, man. We good. But, I got uh, a couple minutes. Yeah, man. I, I'm just trying to find out, man. I'm like, I'm trying to find is it the bald head or is it a low fade with a line? I'm trying to be, because I, I look at it and I'll be like, is he bald-headed with a line, or is he? That's a great question. Uh, no, he's bald-headed, and he has a line. If I had to guess, I think his line is what they call micropigmentation. That is, I think he's had tattoos. And what I mean is they take a needle, and you really have to learn how to do it. There's some guys, and Jesse Lima down in Florida is really good at it. Angel Ross here in Jacksonville is good at it. There's some guys that have really, really done a good job at it. You go in for session. And they just dot, dot. They, they hit you with these dots all over, and they make sure the line is straight across. And sometimes they don't do it all in one day, so it may take two or three sessions, and they hit you with the micro pigmentation. I think he has a permanent tattoo that looks like he has a shadow because uh, I've been wondering too about Doc. You know, I'm, I'm glad you noticed that though. Yeah, because <laughs> Doc got Doc, Doc ain't got no hair, but he kind of got a tape up without no hair. So I think what he has is called micro pigmentation. Yeah, it has to be something because I, I just I'm, I'm like, man, look, I don't know if I can trust the dude that's got a lineup on a bald head, man. Yeah, well, Tory Lane, Tory Lane, and his daddy had one too. So, uh, just just look up it's called SMP Scout Micropigmentation and look it up and tell me if that's what it is or what it's not. I think that's what it is. Gotcha. I'll look it up, but of course, everyone came here to talk football, but hey, we talked a little hair too, but um. My name is, of course, I'm the host, Mike Patton. You can find me on Twitter at MikePatton82. That's M-I-K-E-P-A-T-O-N-82. You can also find me on Instagram at the, that's T-H-A, not T-H-E, underscore general, underscore M-P. The show, Tour and ASC South, you can find on YouTube, see, right here. You can also find me on, uh, um, you can also find it on Spotify, also on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, on all listening platforms as well. Go ahead, subscribe, share, listen. Uh, rate the show, write reviews, whatever you want to do. Hey, just tune in. And I just thank everyone for tuning in. Thank you all for checking out this episode of Touring AFC South with your host, Mike Patton. We're out.